Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. If you're at, if you're on Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to go ahead and read the entire verse that we're going to go over, and then we can go back and break everything down. And I think he's got it up there. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ if, if you attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Galatians 5, 7, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. But I, Paul, have confidence in you, not so much in you, but in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, and do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be, circum- lest you be consumed by one another. Galatians 5, 1 through 15. When Pastor Ben told me that he was going to be out of town and I was, I'm like, hey, that's the 4th of July you're going to have me teach on. And so I was praying to God, I was asking him, Lord, what should I teach on? What sh-, you know, and I was, 4th of July, it's freedom, you know, Independence Day for us here in the United States. And I was like, why don't I, you know, encourage the body with uh, a message about independence? And the title of the message this morning is called Invitation to Freedom, Galatians 5, 1 through 15. You know, we are called to stand in Jesus Christ. We are called to stand in Jesus Christ. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul writes, Stand fast, therefore, the liberty by which Christ has made you free. You know, today is 4th of July, is the Independence Day for the United States. And I was just thinking, I went and looked back in the history. I haven't looked at, you know, studied history or looked at history back when I was in, like, the junior high school when they made you go through that class, the history classes, and you go up to high school. And it's very interesting, the people that left Europe 
England and Europe to come over here, they were going to America for freedom. Most of our freedom to worship God the way that they wanted to. They didn't want to be under a rule or control of someone telling them how they should worship God. And that's how they got here in the first place. And so I was looking in the history of the United States, and it's very interesting that, you know, the U.S. is a great country. You know, we have all the freedoms in the world, and everyone that's outside of the United States are wanting to come here. We can see that on the crisis that's going on with, within our borders right now. You know, people from less fortunate countries, less fortunate circumstances, are trying to get into the United States because why? They are being persecuted or they're looking for freedom. They're looking just to better themselves. And they're coming to the United States looking for that freedom, which is an awesome thing. But the Bible says that every person is a slave to sin, like every one of us. If you're a believer this more, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you rely on him for salvation of your faith, we're all free from the slave of sin, right? We've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. Every single living person in the world right now. You're either in the family of God or outside of the family of God. Every single person, every baby that is born is a slave to sin. That's not kind of hard for me to understand. I'm like, God, would why would you have people born in like Africa, the Sudan, the countries that are being persecuted, and they're born in a situation that we're not in. They don't have the freedom to worship you. It just doesn't seem fair. And our minds can wonder and uh, question God on those situations, but we have to ask ourselves, where are we at with God this morning? We are called to freedom. We are called to Jesus Christ. You know, the book of Galatians is one of Paul's first letters. It was written by the Apostle Paul right around the fifth, you know, 50 AD prior to the Jerusalem Council that had taken place in around 50 AD. You know, this quite possibly could have been Paul's very first letter. The key people that he's writing to, or the key characters in this book, are Paul, Peter, Barnabas, Abraham, Titus, and especially the false teachers that he wants to weed out as far as uh, what's going on here. So Paul writes this book to deal with the problem of circumcision and Jewish legalism toward the Gentile believers. In chapters 1 and 2, Paul gives his testimony about how he had received the authentic gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he warns that if anyone presents another gospel message other than the one that he preached to them, which is Jesus plus nothing. It's not Jesus plus your faith. It's not Jesus plus Abraham's law or the Jesus and the law or Jesus and your tradition or Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus, period. Jesus, period. That's who we come to. And Gospels and uh, Paul's telling them, if anyone else preaches another gospel, that is a false gospel. And he writes in, Gal- in Galatians 1.9, he says, as we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you another gospel contrary to the one that you received from me, he is to be accursed. 
Paul was speaking to these guys about the one true gospel that he had received. And he received this gospel directly from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And you can read about Paul's story in Acts chapter 9 and so on. You can read the backstory on that, which is really awesome. So Paul then declares that Christ now lives within him and directs him, empowers him with the Holy Spirit to live this life. He now recognizes, see, he's not a citizen of this world. He's a citizen of heaven. He's an ambassador, just like you and I are. We're not citizens of this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the main thing, the main thing. It's not we are have to keep these, we have to go to church, we have to read the Bible. All those things come because Jesus saved us and he loved us. And so we pursue all those things because of him. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he's letting them know, guys, the gospel I bring is Jesus. Jesus is the person I bring to you. I don't bring you rules. I don't bring you tradition. I don't bring you the law, which, you know, the first believers were Jewish. And they had come from a mindset of all the rules and regulations, all the festivals, all the festivities, all these things they had to keep every single year. The sacrificing of the animals, they had to do all those things in order to have a right relationship and be cleansed and have the right coming before the Lord. But not us. Then in chapters 3, And four, Paul begins by declaring that salvation is through faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. There's no other way we can obtain salvation but through Jesus Christ. And he says, you cannot cannot obtain salvation through the law. In Galatians 3, 1 to 3, he reads, he states, Foolish Galatians, who put you under a spell? Was not Jesus the Messiah clearly portrayed before you, before your very eyes as having been crucified. I want to learn only one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Paul is telling them, I came to you and I gave you the gospel, and that gospel is a person, and his name is Jesus. I didn't come to you and say, you must keep the Ten Commandments. You must go to these festivities. You must bring a sacrifice to God in order for you to get right with him. I brought you Jesus Christ. Do you believe it? And he's reminding them, why are you thinking so foolishly now? Now that you have the true gospel, you're trying to go back and earn your way to heaven. And he said, having started out with the spirit, are you now ending up with the flesh? You know, the law of the Ten Commandments, the the law was a tutor to lead us to salvation to Jesus Christ. In Galatians 3.24, it says, uh, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. Right? Thank God for that. It's by faith that we come to Jesus Christ. No one can obey the Ten Commandments. It's impossible. No one. No one can keep the law. 
Jesus goes even further and says, if you have sin in your heart, if you have hate for your brother, the sin issues that nobody else sees, you may look at, you, we may look at people on the outside, you, you're a great citizen, you do everything right, but your heart, where are you at? No one can obey the Ten Commandments. It's impossible. Every person has broken them. Therefore, we can only attain salvation through trusting in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the message, that is the gospel that the Apostle Paul brought to the Galatian church. And then we ask, what is the gospel? Paul tells us, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled with the yoke of bondage. Let's define what the gospel is. Because we have many religions that look like Christ's church, but really aren't the church. They're a counterfeit. So let's define what the gospel is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 8. If you don't know what the gospel is, you can turn here. It's all about Jesus, but this is what Paul is getting to. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 8. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. So is that up there? He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ, this is the gospel, you guys, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And this was all foretold, all in the Old Testament, leading up to Jesus' birth and coming. He said that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to, to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, I, Paul, after that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, I, Paul, was seen uh, Jesus saw me also as by one born out of due time. So this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are all sinners. We have fallen short. There is a penalty to pay for the sins that we've committed. God is a holy God. He's a righteous God. And he will judge. There's a judgment coming for this world. Every single one of us are going to get judged. Thank God that we've already confessed that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And just like last week, we saw a few people get baptized. It always, I'm always blown away. You know, I can remember the first time I was baptized. And it's, I can remember the first time I got saved. I've heard the gospel. I grew up in the church. My, my father, uh, my parents... You know, they were very involved in the church, and before I came to the Lord Jesus Christ, it was a religion to me. I had to go. I had to do things. I had to be there. I had to be a good person. 
And then I finally realized at the age of 30, after being in the world, which if I would have died in the world, I would have went to hell. And we don't even preach that in our pulpits now. We want everybody to know that they are a good person. And even if you live good, that there's many different ways to come to God. No, we stand by the word of God. God says, Jesus says, there is no, there is no one else that you can come to, to go to the Father except through me, Jesus. No one else. We individually, all of us, have to make a choice, a decision, who are we going to follow? And this is the gospel. The gospel tells us that we've fallen short, and we've missed the mark, and God will judge. What are you going to do with that? It was such a blessing last week seeing people get baptized, seeing them renewed. We've seen young people get saved. And I'm so excited because, you know, some of these 15, 16-year-olds, and I got saved at the age of 30. Jesus finally found me and made himself real to me at the age of 30. And these, and these young kids, these young adults, All those years they have ahead of them. What are they going to accomplish for the kingdom of God? The question is, what is God going to accomplish in you for his kingdom? The gospel became real to me at the age of 30, January 2000. I will never forget it. I didn't know what the message was about. My, I, we just moved back to California. My friend invited me to church. We went to church. I sat down. The Holy Spirit couple years before that has been doing this work in me. I was just like, man, is this all the life? We had got married. We just had my daughter. I was like, well, you know, I had a good job. My wife had a good job. We were in Phoenix, Tempe, Arizona. And life just seems like, okay, this is the American life. This is what they were all talking about. But it wasn't fulfilling. God worked everything out. We came to California, Oceanside, California, went to church. First time I stepped in church in like 10 years after being away. I don't know what the message was, but at the end of the service, the pastor said, there are some of you who are lost in here and you need Jesus. He went over the gospel, what I just said. And the power of the Holy Spirit just flooded me. I have a story. You have a story. God is so good. He worked everything out. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8, that is the gospel. There is no other man that died and had all these witnesses. And Paul is telling them, Jesus died and was was raised again. He's living. Death could not hold him. Sin is the enemy of every person. Death is the enemy of every person. I don't care how much money you have, what status you have, what education you have. We are all going to die if Jesus doesn't come back. What are you going to do with that? That motivates me to represent, be an ambassador for the gospel. I've got family members who are lost. The biggest testimony that I have towards them is my life. How I act towards adversity. So God is so good. And, and then back in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, 
He says, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. 5.2, it says, indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And again, I testify to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. So what was known back here was Paul brought in the gospel, the true gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you had these Jewish, I don't know if they were Christian, it doesn't really, there's many different commentaries that says that, but they were known as the Judaizers. They would come in and they would agree, yes, Jesus is God and you do have to follow him. Yes, you have to come to him. But, now keep in mind, these are Jewish people who are coming and then the church is just exploding because it's the persecution that's going on. You know, people are on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ, and the gospel is being taken to many parts of the nation right now. And so Paul told them what the gospel was, and then after he left, these Judaizers, these so-called believers would come in, and they would say, yes, we know about Jesus, but did you know that you also have to be circumcised? And I was like, and then when we think circumcision, you know, we think about the, the male and, you know, what they have to do. And that was a promise given to Abraham. And then the law came into being. And let me just break this down because it's very important. He's talking about you have to have Jesus. That's good. But you have to keep the law. So let's try to identify what the law is. So the Ten Commandments, right, the Ten the ten laws in the Bible that God gave to the nation of Israel shortly after the exodus from Egypt. So they left Egypt. They got the Ten Commandments. Everybody's seen the Ten Commandments movie, right? Okay. The Ten Commandments are essentially a summary of 613 commandments contained in the Old Testament law. The first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. The last six commandments deal with our relationship towards one another. The Ten Commandments are recorded in the Bible in Exodus 20, 1 through 17. I think, I don't know if he's got a scripture up for that. Or, and Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses uh, 6 through 21. And th- this is the Ten Commandments. I'm just going to summarize it real quick so we know what the law is. When Paul talks about the law, he's talking about this. The Ten Commandments, the rituals, and all that that comes with it. Commandment number one, you shall love You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any idol in the form of anything in heaven or on earth. Number three, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord, your God. Number four, remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. That's why we're here Sunday, because, you know, we're not here because of requirement. We're here because God gave us freedom. In our own free will, we are here to worship him. Ain't that awesome? Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. Nine, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Ten, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. And I know that we've all missed the mark. We may have not have done completely every single one of those, but we've all missed the mark. And if you think you're good enough, 
God says, your heart is as, you know, the, our good deeds, they're filthy rags that we try to bring before a holy God. Many people mistakenly look at the Ten Commandments at a, as a set of rules, right? That if follow will guarantee entrance into heaven after death. But the purpose of the Ten Commandments is to force people to realize that they cannot perfectly obey the law. This is what Paul is telling them. Y'all are trying to, y'all are trying to do Jesus plus the law? You can't even keep the law. If you break one rule, you broke them all. And not just those 10, but 613 commandments. If you broke them, if you broke one of those 613, you've broken the whole law. And you want to go under that ruleship? You want to go under that? And Paul said, you guys are foolish. The Ten Commandments was, you know, forced people to realize that they cannot perfectly obey the law. We find that in all over the book of Romans. And are therefore need of God's mercy and grace. We need God's mercy and grace because we are sinful people saved by Jesus. Despite the claims of the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16, no one can perfectly obey the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments demonstrate that we have all sinned as Romans 3.23 states. And therefore, in need of God's mercy and grace, available only through the faith of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is trying to tell these guys right here in chapter 5. You guys are so foolish. You want to go back under the law where you are declared guilty. Jesus paid it all. He did it all for you. But you want to put your... You, and that's just like, a, like us as people, right? We want to justify ourselves. We're self-righteous. I can look at my life this past week, how self-righteous I was. I am. I still am. Thank God for his grace. That's how we are. We as people are. We're self-righteous. We want to do something for God because it makes us feel better that we worked for the gift that God has laid down for us. And Paul is telling these guys, you guys want to go back and be in bondage under this law when you can't keep one law. Are you guys crazy? He's telling them. He says, come to Jesus, come to grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 10 says this. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ain't that, ain't that free? That frees us from trying to manipulate our relationship with the Father. It makes us feel good when we're like, you know, our heart's in the wrong place and it's kind of hard to go to church, kind of hard to love people. And then we just do it because, you know, when we do it, it makes us feel good. And yet God is just, they're wanting us just to come clean. 
you know, there's relationships that I have where it's, it's hard relationships. You know, it's hard to love people. And I'm an assistant pastor. So <laughs> you know, even though we're a small church, we've had people come in and out, in and out. And it's very trying at times. You know, we are, we're trying to grow the church in numbers, but it's not about that. It's for the kingdom of God. And then we, you know, as a leadership, as, you know, I could talk about any, you know, type of ministry, you try to manipulate certain things where the ministry grows or you try to manipulate your relationships where it makes us feel better, makes us feel self-righteous, it makes us look better than the next person, and God is simply telling us, just come. Just come the way that you are. So we must stand against the yoke of bondage. That is what the law brings. It is a bondage. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is speaking to the audience, and this audience is a Jewish audience. They had to keep the, the law. They had to perform all these rituals and traditions. They were under the strict rule of the law. Not only that, they were under the strict rule of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They would tell, and they basically, they were under the thumbnail of what was going on. And Jesus says, come to me, all you labor." The heavy laden, come to me, Jesus, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And my encouragement to you this morning is where you're at this morning with him. Are you trying to carry too much? If you're not saved, come to Jesus. If you're saved and your relationship with him is just not where it should be, come to Jesus. He is more willing to heal us and forgive us than for us to run to the Father. For those who have kids, we can see a little glimpse of how our relationships should be with our Heavenly Father, right? Like, I have my daughter. I love her deeply. But she's at the age where she has to make her own decisions. And just going through this, reading about the freedom that we have in Christ, I have to give her freedom to find Jesus. For her to really experience Jesus. Because I don't want to manipulate her. I don't want to, like, put rules and make her feel guilty that even though her father is in the ministry and and uh, and part of a church, I don't want to make. I want to make sure that she loves Jesus freely from her own heart. Even though I desire for her to follow Jesus, we all have a road to follow. Galatians 5.4, and I'm going to go ahead and move pretty quick as we go through this. We must stand in the power of the Holy Spirit, right? We have to stand in the power of the Holy Spirit because in it and of it ourselves, we cannot 
We cannot please God. We cannot, we cannot do anything that's everlasting for the kingdom. Galatians chapter 5 verse 7 says, You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Paul is writing to these Galatians. He's telling them about the gospel, the true gospel, about not going back to the law. And then he's telling them, guys, I came to you. I brought the gospel. You are doing so well. What happened? What hindered you from obeying the truth? We all have a race to run, guys, the race of life. We as believers, we come alongside our other brothers and sisters and we just encourage and uplift and say when somebody falls down, okay, come on. God is there running with you. God is walking with you no matter what difficult situation you're going through. Financially, relationship, your marriage, uh, relationship with your kids, work stuff, life happens. We all have a race to run. And as the body of Christ, we come alongside each other and pick each other up and encourage one another. When somebody is just falling off, we come alongside. Come on. And that's what Paul wants these guys to really understand. And he says, who hindered you from obeying the truth? Galatians 5, 8 and 9 says, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Paul is saying, this mindset that you guys have, that you're leaving the truth, this is not from God. This is from the devil. Anything that points other than Jesus is from hell. Any other gospel, any other message that somebody brings to you that says, yeah, it's good you need Jesus, but you need to come to my church. It's good that you have Jesus, but I have to disciple you, which we should, but we can make it a religion. It's good that you have Jesus, but now you got to come here. You got to keep these. You got to do this. You got to perform this. Paul's telling them this persuasion, this mindset that you guys have, believing other uh, that's hindering your walk. You have walked away from God and now you're following something else. And in Galatians 5 9 it says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And this is specifically talking about someone has come into your congregation, into your church, and is saying, they may come in nicely and say, yes, we, I love Jesus too. Now we also must do this. And Paul is saying, that type of mindset, get away from. And we as a church of Jesus Christ, we have to look out for one another in that type of stuff, Right? Because we don't want others to be deceived. And that is the work of the devil. That is the work of the enemy. He wants people not to know the true gospel, who is Jesus Christ plus nothing. He wants you to follow another gospel, the gospel that is not true. It's not Jesus. And that's what Paul is telling them here. Then Galatians chapter 5, verse 10, he says, Paul writes, and he says, I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. Paul's telling them, I have confidence that you guys are going to change your way of thinking and go back to the true gospel, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And he's telling them, I have confidence not so much in you, but in God, because God will complete the work that he started. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, it says, In him, in Jesus, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the day of redemption. Purchase possession to the praise of his glory. And in Philippians 1, 6, it says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That is very encouraging because the work, your life, if you're a believer this morning, your life will be completed, not because so much of you, but because Jesus is working in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. And God will accomplish what he needs to accomplish in you because of his power. We are to run with Jesus. We are to follow Jesus and not be deceived by the things of this world. Galatians 5.11 says, And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. So Paul is telling them, if I came and preached to you Jesus plus the law, Jesus plus circumcision, why am I, Paul, still being persecuted if I still preach the same gospel that these false believers are coming into your church and preaching? He says, I came to preach Jesus Christ. I came to preach a person, and we have to understand that as believers. That we preach Jesus Christ because the gospel offends people, right? For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Jesus Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Gentiles and to the Greeks, foolishness. 1 Corinthians 1, 18, 22, and 23, Paul writes them. I came and preached the gospel to you guys. It's foolishness to those who don't understand. And ain't that what, we see that in our world right now. It's like, it, it, it just really irks me that, you know, especially here in the United States that, like, the people in media and whatnot, it's okay to just bash Christianity. Like, I saw a clip on Saturday Night Live, and they had about Jesus during the uh, Easter weekend. And this clip was rotating on, you know, Christian feeds and whatnot. They were mocking our Lord Jesus Christ, and it's okay with that. They wouldn't put any other religion and do that on television. This world, this, the United States, the people that are in the U.S. would go crazy. But yet, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to our faith, to stand up for Jesus, it's easily mocked. 
And that's why we as believers, we have to stand fast to Jesus Christ. Persecution is real. We may, we may not have the physical persecution here in the United States like they do in China or some of the third world countries, but it is real. And we see it, and it's rampant, and it's getting worse. Just turn on the TV. What does media push? You know, what music are they pushing? There's a God of this world, and this is the devil. All the things that people seek, money, influence, education, those are all good things. But when, you, when the devil comes in and he exalts those things above God, and we make those things our God, we've, that's deception. And that's what Paul is telling these guys. He says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little bit of that thing coming in could ruin a church. You know, my dad, he makes great bread, and the yeast is the most important part that he puts in. And after he puts that yeast, you just live, leave it for hours, and you come back, and it's totally just invaded the dough. And that's like... A false teaching coming into the church. If you don't know the truth, you will be deceived. That's why it's important for us as believers to know our, you know, to know Jesus. Knowing Jesus is to know your Bible. To know him. Galatians 5.13. And this is what Paul, this is the main point that Paul is getting to. Galatians 5.13, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We have been called to liberty, to freedom. No one, I hope no one forced you to come here this morning. That wouldn't be freedom, right? That would be like, oh, why are you making me go and I don't even know this guy and I don't know what. The world he's talking about, he's talking about this Jesus guy. That wouldn't be love. You know, and I really had to take a heart check and look at my life and see how I manipulate people in my, in my sphere, my wife, my daughter, people at work. When you walk in liberty... When you walk in freedom, it's okay that people stomp all over you, right? When you are walking in freedom, now, let me try to get my point across. Jesus came, he's God. He died, he served, right? He's a servant, He didn't have to do that. He came down because he loved us. He went to the cross for us. And we look, and I look at his life, and I'm like, Jesus, you are the ultimate example of what freedom looks like. Today's 4th of July, and we're celebrating, you know, fireworks yesterday, and people are celebrating it. But people are in bondage this morning. 
You know, there's people that celebrated yesterday that don't know God. If they die today, if they die in their sinful state, they're in bondage. There's no freedom there. But for those of us who belong to Christ, you are free to come here this morning. I don't know why, you know, I see some visitors. If you're visiting this morning, I hope you feel loved and welcome. And Pastor Ben will be here next week. So if you don't like the speaking today, come back to come back next week. But if you came to church this morning and you felt like I have to go to church because I have to perform or I have to feel right, we've come for the wrong reason. We come because we get to come. Why? Because we're believers. The Bible tells us we should gather as people of God to be reminded, to, to be reminded how much He loves us and how much we can turn our love towards back towards to Him and how His love that we can take that same love and love one another. And Paul is telling these guys. You're called to freedom. And each one of us, we are called to liberty. Think about your relationships. You know, if I want my wife to cook me a certain meal or, you know, make sure the house is clean, my clothes is done, all these things, she does those things because she loves me. Or I do things for her because I love her. I'm not looking for something in return, right? But we, in our relationships with one another, we get into a state where, you know what? I I need something from this person or I have to have a certain situation work out where it's for my benefit. And that's our motive when God is telling, when Paul is telling us there is freedom in our Christian life. When we have that mindset that God, the Lord Jesus Christ came and served us, served us, when he freely served us in liberty, that we can take that same mindset and express it to those around us, especially our brothers and sisters in the church. Right? So, what does that mean? I want the best for Alex. Like I... Like, he's a, he's a great drummer. Like, I don't want to get into a relationship. Hey, Alice, can you teach me the drum? And, you know, um, and then eventually take over the drum because I don't really like the way you drum. That's like a, a spiteful motive for me to have a relationship with him. Or, you know, if somebody hurts you in your family, in your church, in your relationships... We are free to lay our lives down and give our lives to one another. And that creates a loving atmosphere. That creates freedom for love to grow in. Galatians 5.13, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, and, and don't use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And then 514, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
that is it. God, God makes it so simple for us to, but yet we try to add our stuff to it when he says, you know what? I loved you. I gave my son for you. Freely, I gave you the gift. Now take what I've given you and just take that type of attitude, that type of motive, and apply it to the rest of your life, to all your relationships. When somebody hurts you, I lay my life down. Freedom. It's okay. I'm here to serve you. When your wife doesn't cook your favorite meal, (laughs) she's not here, so... It's okay. She loves me. I love her. And I don't try to do anything to manipulate her to have what I want. That's selfish. Jesus invites you to live in freedom, not religion. Then last of all, Galatians 5.15, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Here's just a few notes I made. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Galatians 5.15, which I just read. When we live in freedom, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we will not respond like this. Because even church people are very nasty towards one another. Right now, I'm talking to the family of church, the family of God that come to this church. Hear me out. We can be nasty towards one another, but when we live in freedom, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we won't respond. We won't do this. We won't bite and devour one another because we lay our lives down for one another. Love grows in the liberty and freedom we have in Jesus Christ. And what's the outcome? The outcome is God's greatest commandment is fulfilled, that we love one another. You know, some of the key, some of the key points that we have here at Calvary Chapel Lubbock is to love God, love people, live radically. When we do that, we stand in freedom. We stand in Jesus Christ, and that is true freedom, not the freedom that this world has to offer. The freedom that we have in the United States, it's good. People are wanting to come here because they want to better themselves. But true freedom comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter if you're a kid in South Africa and you're like myself from the you know, Polynesian islands, didn't know nothing from nothing. The gospel changes. The gospel perseveres. And we are all here, hopefully, here in this church, here this morning, because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is true freedom, because we can be anywhere else, but you're here because of Jesus. Amen? Let me pray, and the worship team, as they slowly come up, will make their way back and close us out in a song. You know, I just want to say that God loves you guys so much. You know, for those of you visiting, 
Um, Pastor Ben would always say that we love you. I hope you feel loved when you're here. You know, we're a small congregation. We're a congregation that loves Jesus. We really have nothing fancy. We love the Word of God. We try to go verse by verse and really expound the teachings of Jesus, and I hope I did that this morning for you. And we just want to love you and love one another and increase God's kingdom because that's what it's all about. Let me pray. Dear God, we thank you so much. God, thank you that even though today is the 4th of July and we here in the United States celebrate it as Independence Day. And people think about freedom, God, but there's people in the city of Lubbock who are just totally lost and in bondage of of sin. And God, ultimate freedom comes from you, comes from your son, Jesus. Father, you gave us your best. And God, when we learn today that we run to Jesus, we run to you, Jesus. You are the gospel. You are the light that saves the world. Nothing else. All our works, all our stuff, it doesn't matter because you love us. And you are the ultimate example of what freedom is. And I pray that this week that you'll just allow us to have that mindset that we are set free we are free indeed because we belong to you father we are so grateful and i pray you go before us this week order our steps help us to walk in you jesus empower us with your holy spirit that we may turn the love you have for us towards one another and especially towards back to you father in jesus name i pray these things amen We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.